Hello, welcome to BioBased Radio, a podcast promoting a more sustainable future through conversations with industry, university, and environmentalists. Today, our host, Denny Hall, is talking with David Schwantes, founder and CEO of B4 Branding, a consulting firm specializing in market research and brand strategy. Hi, I'm Denny Hall, host of BioBased Radio and director of OBIC, the Bioproducts Innovation Center here at The Ohio State University. Today, Dave and I talk about bio-based products from the consumer's perspective. We'll talk about increasing demand for bio-based products, the chicken and the egg conundrum, and a sweet sugarcane hard hat that doesn't taste like sugar. Today, we're joined by Mr. David Suantes. He is with the B4 Branding and several other capacities. It's been in that capacity that David and I have worked most closely together. We have been collaborators on a nationwide study of consumers to measure interest and knowledge, awareness of bio-based products. And we thought today that would be a good subject for us to share with our BioBase Radio podcast listeners. Great. Well, thank you, Denny. It's a privilege to be with you. David, tell a little bit more about your background. I'm in particular sort of talk about the natural foods era and how you might see that kind of transitioning into uh, bio-based products. Sure. Well, first of all, I've been blessed to um, have a career of about 30 years in a variety of marketing activities. I spent uh, a good share of that in the, uh, the corporate business uh, environment, as well as I've uh, taught extensively over about a 30-year period. Um, so part of my earlier career was with a um, company, actually a central Ohio-based company called Worthington Foods. And uh, it had the distinction of being one of the first major national manufacturers to get into the development of uh, meatless alternatives like uh, meatless uh, hamburgers and meatless hot dogs. But it also had uh, several product lines that were focused on the emerging natural and organic foods. This was back in the late 80s, mid 90s that um, these products were first beginning to hit the market. But there really wasn't a lot of um, consumer awareness, nor was there uh, much of a standard in terms of uh, evaluating claims of, of being all natural or being organic. So there was a period of time that um, we had to kind of focus on education of the market, helping them understand the benefits of organic and, and also helping them to uh, differentiate uh, those product claims that truly uh, had a benefit uh, from being organic as opposed to something that uh, somebody simply slapped on a label because uh, 5% of their ingredients were organically sourced. So it was kind of a long build, but uh, obviously a successful build. And uh, today, um, you know, natural foods, organic uh, sourced foods are very much part of uh, mainstream grocery. And, you know, I'd like to believe that there's a kind of a similar opportunity for uh, bio-based products. Well, there certainly is a lack of 
strong awareness of bio-based products as per uh, our survey in 2018 here, less than 10% of consumers indicate that they are very aware of a bio-based product. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, I, I think, clearly um, an information and awareness gap that uh, the industry um, uh, needs to address. You know, I guess it's one of those good news, bad news things, Denny, because um, we, we conducted a baseline survey back in 2014. And that time, there was zero, you know, high levels of familiarity with uh, bio-based. So the fact that we kind of moved the needle uh, incrementally up to about 8% familiarity and, and actually a broader um, aided awareness of 27%, you know, steps in the right direction. Yeah, what is that if you divide by zero? That's an infinite... <laughs> Yeah, we've made an infinite increase, I guess. <laughs> the other thing, though, that the study has talked about, and, and I find a lot of, uh, I get a lot of energy from this, is that once consumers are aware of these bio-based products, they show real strong interest in wanting to know more, wanting to purchase them, and, you know, being really very supportive of bio-based products in general. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. Um you know, there, there are typically several steps that are involved in a, in a marketing process to uh, engage consumers. Um, clearly, at a very fundamental level, you've got to build awareness. You've got to make people uh, aware that these types of products even exist. And then you have to increase familiarity and help them recognize, so what are the benefits for these types of products? So, you know, I, I guess one of the things that I saw as encouraging from the, um, the survey that we did uh, was that more than half of the respondents um, made some type of uh, connection uh, between bio-based and, and being beneficial to the environment. And, um, you know, about two-thirds um, recognized that uh, bio-based products were, um, you know, sourced from um, sustainable uh, plant-based uh, components. So, you know, to me, those are, I think, two very important educational considerations that, you know, we need to kind of help uh, consumers recognize that so that they can then take the next step uh, toward hopefully trying and, and using these products. Yeah, the, you know, another aspect of your survey was to uh, ask about sort of willingness to pay. Are, are consumers willing to pay more for a bio-based product? And, and I don't know how much I trust that information, but it, it, at least it gives us a, a sense that consumers value what they're hearing or what they're believing about bio-based products. You know, um, and, and I don't know if you want to go ahead and share those numbers with us. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, we had about uh, 75% in total that indicated that they'd be willing to pay a premium for bio-based products. And uh, we had 24% of the respondents say that they would be willing to pay up to uh, 10% more for the types of uh, products that would be associated with um, uh, bio-based uh, benefits. So, I mean, to me, that was very encouraging. Um, again, one of the challenges that you have is what people report in a survey versus um, actual uh, purchase behavior. But clearly, it, I think, indicates that we've made some, um, some strides in the last uh, four years toward, uh, again, increasing awareness, familiarity, and, and uh, generating some interest in these types of offerings. Yeah, so uh, drawing on your experience as a marketing professional, and realizing that, well, we're kind of excited. We went from zero to eight percent, 
but there's still 92% of the population out there that have yet to really embrace and appreciate bio-based products. You know, any thoughts on what we need to be doing to kind of continue to grow that awareness? Yeah, well, well, first of all, let me take half a step back and talk a little bit about the survey itself, um, because the, the, the focus of this survey was on a um, nationally representative audience of just mainstream consumers. So, you know, we weren't pre-selecting people based on previous purchase behavior. We weren't uh, trying to uh, segment based on, um, you know, a concern or interest that they may have in environmental products, although we certainly measured that. Um, so to me, I, I, I think, you know, if you look at the fact that these are mainstream consumers, you know, shopping in, in the, uh, the grocery stores and the, um, the big box retailers, the fact that we had 8% actually is, is kind of encouraging. Um, and again, that 8% was those that labeled themselves as being very familiar. Kind of the flip side of that too, and we compare the two surveys that we did. In 2014, we had 45% of respondents indicating that they weren't at all familiar with bio-based. Uh, by 2018, we had reduced the, um, the level of ignorance or lack of knowledge to 34%. So again, you could say that we're making some, some small um, uh, strides forward in, in terms of increasing the awareness and familiarity. Now, kind of back to your specific question of what do we do to continue to ride that and, and uh, increase it, I, I think it's kind of a twofold step. First of all, there has to be an education component. You know, people have to recognize what are the benefits of bio-based and why should I pay a, a slight premium for, uh, you know, an item that's uh, sourced uh, from plant as opposed to uh, alternatives. You know, and, and I think uh, clearly organizations like OVIC um, have the opportunity to kind of get the word out and um, to demonstrate uh, some of those advantages. You know, the second major uh, component in this, of course, is the manufacturers. The manufacturers have to be willing to, to take a chance and um, develop and, and get these products out into the marketplace. But it's kind of a chicken and egg uh, conundrum as to, you know, do you, you try to build the awareness first, but yet not have a sufficient assortment of products available to satisfy potential needs? Or do you try to get some of the products out there into the marketplace and through their uh, demonstrated success, uh, you begin to uh, uh, increase uh, consumer interest and willingness to purchase these types of products. So, you know, it, it, it's not a simple, you know, one sentence answer in terms of how we do that. It's going to be a longer term build. And again, it's going to take a very, I think, close collaboration between um, educators and industry to achieve that. Well, certainly, we, since we're in this podcast, we want to recognize that if there's a listener out there who's tuned in to bio-based radio, he can certainly become one of our advocates in terms of encouraging others. It, you can only do so much with your own consumer behavior, but if you can encourage your neighbors and, and you could ask at the grocery store, hey, what's the opportunity of getting some more bio-based products on these shelves? You know, you, we can begin to create a movement that, that accelerates over time. Yeah, that, you know, stepping back a little bit to um, the experience that I had with the natural and, and organic uh, foods, um, that really was the tipping point. And that was beginning to stimulate uh, consumer demand, getting them to ask for the products, but at the same time, making sure that we were 
getting products placed in the local stores so that consumers could find them, could try them, could uh, determine their level of satisfaction and intent to uh, repurchase those products. So, you know, there's going to have to be some type of um, critical mass that manufacturers can attain um, within the retail setting. You know, I don't know if we're ready yet to have a bio-based section in the stores where we bring together a wide variety of, of products and, and packaging that support that initiative. Um, but ultimately, I think it's going to take something close to that so that people recognize, you know, not only something that meets their immediate needs, but also the variety of other, you know, personal and, and uh, health or beauty items or cleaning items that also fit within the, uh, the definition of bio-based. Yeah, and, and we need to make sure we underscore the point that, you know, consumers have told us through your survey that the main reason for doing this is pro-environment, you know, increased environmental sustainability, reduced carbon emissions. I mean, when just ask uh, open-ended question, what do you see as the benefits of bioproducts? Over half of the respondents indicated, you know, that was top of mind. So, yeah, yeah, definitely the environmental aspect um, was a critical consideration. And, and, you know, I think another indicator of, of the increased consumer awareness and interest in uh, environmental sustainability, one of the questions we asked in the survey and replicated uh, again in 2018 uh, was, you know, to what extent are people uh, buying uh, what they perceive to be environmentally um, uh, beneficial or at least environmentally um, consistent? products. And, and, you know, they were given an opportunity to indicate from absolutely no interest and no willingness to purchase up to, you know, uh, frequently bought to environmentally um, uh, beneficial products or always bought uh, those types of products. And, and what we saw was, again, an increase from 36% of the respondents in the survey. And again, this is a general kind of a cross section of, of shoppers in the U.S. went from 36 to 44%. Again, that's not a, a, a rocket uh, lift in terms of the increase, but it does indicate, I think, a, a strong and continual, um, not only awareness of environmental concerns, but a willingness to act on it by buying those types of products. You know, in addition to these environmental attributes, I'm heartened by the fact that consumers also perceive them as performing equal to, or in many cases, uh, better than the, you know, largely petroleum-based or non-renewable materials that are on the also on the shelves. Yeah, I mean, the expectation from the survey was about 54% of respondents said uh, that they expected it to be as good as, if not better, than uh, products uh, sourced from non-renewable uh, ingredients or components. So again, you're absolutely right. I mean, that, that's encouraging that the expectations are calibrated, that uh, they have reason to believe that, that these are going to be effective. Well, I, I want to I state that again. 54% saw the performance as being equal. An additional 23% saw it as being better. And only 8% of consumers thought the performance was not as good. I, I considered that to be very positive in terms of consumers' perceptions of these materials. Oh, absolutely. And, and again, you know, drawing on my experience in, in the food industry, you know, if it doesn't meet expectations, you're not going to get a repeat purchase. And that's one of the quickest ways to kill a product is if you get somebody to try it and it doesn't meet expectations. So uh, the fact that, that there are some opportunities to create success stories around 
bio-based. I think that's going to be really important. But again, it's going to have to be a number of successes, not just a success with an individual product that may be out there on the shelf by itself. So, you know, I, I think we're going to see over time, again, kind of this um, uh, slow but steady drumbeat in terms of, of expectations and opportunities to meet or ideally exceed those expectations. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that we're beyond the slow but steady and that we're really starting to see the pace pick up. Uh, there's been some, you know, relatively recent success stories. We, we go back to your point about the chicken and the egg. You know, it's one thing you want people to be looking for this, but it's also we've got to have products on the shelves that manufacturers are putting out there to really, in, in, you know, support this bio-based sector. Well, um, it was, I think, Reebok that just recently announced a new bio-based tennis shoe that included uh, corn and uh, cotton, uh, corn plastic and, and cor- cotton. And um, within the first few days, the product sold out. So uh, I thought that was, I wanted, I didn't even get a chance to put in my order. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I think... Um... I think there's absolutely um, correct what you're saying there. I, I think, A, it, it, it's education, but as people become educated, they also become, I think, somewhat surprised at the applications of bio-based and, again, the benefits associated with it. Uh, I know one of the, um, the things that came from our initial survey back in 2014 was the uh, sustainability tour that um, uh, Obic did to uh, get out in front of consumers and to uh, demonstrate and, and show some of the different things that were made from uh, BioBase. And I think one of the uh, the things that I saw, at least on the couple of occasions that I accompanied you, was a, a surprise on the part of consumers that that's made from BioBase? That's sustainable? Wow, I never knew that before. And and as they gain that kind of exposure and experience, again, you could see the uh, the increase in the enthusiasm and desire that they had for these types of products. Yeah, we have a a hard hat, a plastic hard hat that's made from sugar. And, you know, after every tour that we go out with the van, you know, we have to bring it back into the, and wash it up because people want to lick it and say, well, it doesn't taste sweet to me, <laughs> but it's, it's actually polyethylene. You know, you take sugar, you make ethanol out of it. You convert that to ethylene, you make polyethylene out of that and you can make a hard hat. So it's not it's not supposed to taste sweet, and it's not biodegradable. It's not even digestible. So we we, we do have some more training to do, but at least uh, at least people are thinking about it, huh? Well, they are thinking about it, and again, when they learn, I think the outcome is is quite positive in terms of um, the interest and and the desire. You know, one of the things that that's kind of interesting observing this from a marketing standpoint. You know, in most marketing and most uh, new product or new category launches, you know, you, you work over time to build awareness and then awareness uh, translates into interest and a willingness to try something like, uh, you know, a new product. Um, in this instance, I, I think what oftentimes happens is as you have the opportunity to demonstrate, as you have an opportunity to get some of these products in front of consumers, that really is one of the best ways of, of raising awareness and interest uh, in terms of, of you know, putting something intangible in that kind of surprise factor, like the helmet made out of, you know, uh, sugar. That's cool. I mean, there's a wow factor associated with something like that. You know, um, many of our products have the USDA bio-preferred label on them, but there's also lots of companies 
who produce bio-based chemicals and maybe use them in their branded products, but don't go to the effort of showing that they're bio-based. And, and I'm thinking of, you know, for example, Sherwin-Williams. Consumers really value the low VOC or the low odor paints. And, and we can do that. We can create that kind of benefit by using bio-based materials instead of a petroleum chemical. And, and Sherwin-Williams hasn't gone to the effort of branding their, that particular paint as being bio-based, but, but we know that it has bio-based molecules in it, and we're very proud of that fact. Yeah, and again, I think as awareness of the total category increases and consumers desire to see what else is out there that is bio-based or maybe packaged in, in bio um, uh, you know, uh, containers, I, I, again, I think it just kind of builds. And then you know, as that interest builds and that awareness builds and that excitement builds, then manufacturers like Sherwood-Williams will probably take advantage of leveraging that interest and, and perhaps make some type of a bio-based claim. Right now, um, while it offers the benefit, I, I can understand why they're not necessarily investing a lot yet in terms of promoting it. Because again, there, there's that delicate balancing act between a, a you know awareness, um, interest, and perceived benefit that you know both the manufacturer and the consumer have to kind of play out together. The other place where we've seen the greatest increase in interest in using bio-based materials are on materials that touch the human body, you know, that could be like a facial scrub or, you know, soaps and cleaners, and cosmetics, and also increasingly quite a bit of fabrics. And, and, and not often do these particular products go to the effort of branding it bio-based or bio-preferred, but they still utilize natural chemicals, and I think quite often say natural. Well, and, and again, um, you know, there are, I think you're absolutely right, a number of, of benefits uh, in terms of health and beauty aids, um, apparel, uh, certainly household cleaners and the like that, uh, you know, people want to maintain a, a level of sanitation, but also a level of safety within their households. But, you know, to simply slap a bio-based label on there at this point, you know, there may be even though awareness is increasing, there's still a certain level of confusion. And people either may not recognize the benefit of the bio-based or they may still you know, be uncertain or uncomfortable as to you know, what does that really mean in terms of putting that on my body or putting it uh, you know, uh, in contact with um, surfaces that uh, people in my household may be using. So again, it, 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 I think over time, and I know it sounds like you're really eager to get to that time when people are more aware, and I, I don't blame you for that. But, um, you know, it, it's just one of those things that somehow we've got to figure out that, that chicken and egg conundrum to uh, make sure that uh, everybody is appropriately leveraging both time and financial resources to get to that point. Well, I can assure you that Casey Needham, Brad Collins, and Denny Hall are working very hard every day to try and get that word out. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's important. And, uh, you know, I, I, you raised the question earlier, what can consumers or what can individuals who may have an interest in this who are listening to this podcast, what can they do? Uh, again, I think just continuing and furthering that dialogue 
uh, letting others know about the benefits, but also going in and asking, you know, asking retailers about the availability of these products. If, if they're aware of, you know, manufacturers of who's already uh, providing products for these categories that are bio-based and um, just encouraging retailers to, to kind of get more on the leading edge of, of getting these products where consumers can, can give them a try. Um, because I can tell you again from experience in, in the natural and organic, as we began to get more and more product out into the stores, that's what allowed us to create the success stories that others now are enthusiastic and sharing with others, their friends, their acquaintances, their family members, and encouraging them at that time back in the 80s to try natural or organic products. Today, encouraging them to try bio-based products. So the term bio-based is the most accurate term. You know, it's, it's the one that, that most correctly articulates the type of products that we're talking about. But I don't know, just given the, the, the level of scientific literacy, how many people understand what, we, what we're saying when we say bio-based. And, you know, there have been some others that have articulated more a plant-based, you know, and, and that's true in, in, in many cases. That could be accurate. Uh, I think of the plant bottle that's used by Coca-Cola and the Dasani water bottle. And I can understand why people might resonate with that. But uh, I, I'm just wondering, are, are, we, are we on task? Are, are we using the right language? Or should we be looking at maybe a more simpler language? Well, I mean, anytime you can simplify something for consumers that will enhance their understanding, it's probably going to be um, a step in the right direction. I think the other aspect of this, too, is whether we describe it as bio-based or plant-based, we need to really give them an understanding of what's the benefit. Why should somebody care whether it's uh, plant-based or not? And, and, you know, I think that's where then bringing it down to the point of connection of better for the environment, more sustainable that's what will resonate with people who have already indicated a propensity to buy products that they see as being environmentally responsible or environmentally acceptable. So I think it, it's not only describing the origin, but telling them what's the benefit of that, that it is you know, sustainable, that it is better for the uh, environment, that it does reduce uh, you know, uh, environmental concerns. You know, again, that's, that's all part of the broader uh, aspect of education. You've commented about the national nature of this survey. And I know that you've been able to look at it from sort of like a regional perspective, looking at it from gender perspective and, you know, age groups. You know, as you kind of reflect on the responses that you've seen, if you were to prioritize a, a segment of the market that is... Uh, has the strongest support for and, and where you think you could really generate a, your biggest bang for the buck. Describe that consumer for us, if you could. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of looking in the marketing crystal ball right now, but uh, based on the survey um, responses that we got, it seems like awareness and concern about the environment is pretty strong among the uh, the Gen X and the uh, the baby boomers. Uh, they scored a little bit higher in terms of uh, indicating that they were um, buying products that they perceived to be uh, environmentally friendly. Um, however, as you look at the younger, the millennial consumers, they exhibited higher levels of awareness and familiarity specifically with 
the bio-based or the plant-based products. And they also indicated a little bit more of a propensity to spend uh, and, and pay a premium to uh, be able to source uh, products that to had the benefits of, of bio-based that were better for the environment and the like. But again, there's a little bit of a dilemma there that the, the generational segment, the millennials, that seem to have a, a stronger interest and willingness to purchase bio-based um, clearly are not as far along in their career paths and don't have quite the same level of household income to, uh, to spend. So um, I would say right now, probably the Gen X and the Boomer are a little bit more likely to purchase. But I think if you're looking at investment spending and if you're looking at down the road, I think you're going to ultimately get a better return from working with the millennials uh, to uh, provide more opportunity for them to act upon their uh, higher indicated willingness to purchase bio-based. And uh, again, um, you know, you look at a number of other marketing um, applications and other categories, the millennials tend to be much more proactive in terms of uh, sharing and, and getting word out uh, relating to products that they, they, they like, that they enjoy, that they personally endorse. So again, I, I think if you're looking for someone to kind of help increase that awareness level and, and to become almost a, a brand advocate or at least a category advocate for um, bio-based, again, I think that that younger, uh, more uh, millennial generation is a, a target that uh, I think is, is ultimately going to have the best return on investment. Dave, any other key pieces that we really needed to discuss or observations from the, the study that you'd like to share? Well, you know, one of the things that uh, we did with the, uh, the surveys, both in 2014 and again in earlier this year in 2018, is we tried to calculate what we call the BPI, the Bioproducts Index. And uh, this was intended to be kind of a, a multi-factorial uh, calculation, just to kind of help score or determine, you know, are we making progress towards some of the goals of awareness and, and familiarity and, and purchase? So the intent of the index, as would be the case with most any index, is you want to score 100. 100 is perfect. You know, if, if, if the BPI were 100, that means everybody in the country would be aware of BioBase, that they would be um, interested in purchasing BioBase, and, and BioBase would be uh, mainstream. To me, what, what's encouraging, and again, I think an indication of, of the progress that is being made, when we did the initial uh, survey back in uh, 2014, the calculation was a BPI of, of 30, meaning that we were, you know, about 30% of the way toward the goal of, of full uh, awareness and implementation of bio-based. When we uh, conducted the survey again in uh, 2018, uh, we were at 36% in terms of the bio-based index. And, you know, that's 21% increase. That, to me, is, is, again, a significant step in the right direction. So um, I think we're beginning to gain some momentum. And I would say uh, the best way to continue this momentum and, and broaden awareness and interest is a continued collaboration between um, education and industry to get these types of products um, out there and in front of uh, potential consumers. So from that standpoint, and particularly from my focal point of a marketer, I, I really think those are the, the critical uh, uh, steps that uh, OVIC and others need to uh, continue to pursue. Thank you for listening to BioBased Radio, and thank you to our guest, David Schwantes.
BioBase Radio is a production of the Bioproducts Innovation Center at The Ohio State University. Produced in association with the United States Department of Agriculture, National Institute of Food and Agriculture. BioBase Radio is hosted by Denny Hall, produced and edited by Casey Needham and Brad Collins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, plant the seed with a friend and rate and review on iTunes. <laughs>